0: Hey guys, it's Eric Bowling. I just wanted to let you know we have a brand new message from our awesome sponsors at Allegiance Gold. Unless you've been living in a cave or under a Hamas tunnel, you know that we're on the verge of a full-blown war. Plus, Biden's policies have left us with financial problems we haven't seen in half a century Inflation is killing our savings, and we're looking at two possible interest rate hikes that have professionals like Warren Buffett and Jeremy Grantham, who predicted three major crashes, it's got them worried too. This means your savings and your retirement are in serious trouble. Don't risk it. Secure your retirement with Allegiance Gold. Whether you prefer physical gold and silver or simply want to protect your IRA or 401k, you can trust the professionals at Allegiance Gold. They've earned the highest trust ratings in the precious metal industry, and for good reason. Their relationships are based on integrity, expertise, and impeccable service. Just this year, central banks brought back 800 tons of gold, with China leading the way. This is not an accident. Don't put it off any longer. Go to protectwitheric.com today and download my free wealth protection guide. You can't miss it. It's got my picture right on the front cover. Or you can call 844-714-ERIC, 844-714-ERIC. You can also get up to $5,000 in free silver if your account qualifies. Protect your future now with Allegiance Gold, protectwitheric.com. Download my free wealth protection guide. That's protectwitheric.com or call 844-714-ERIC. We all fall into one of two camps. There are those that believe Bidenomics is the way forward. And the rest of us who think that's a load of horse shit. You want to hear what really great economic ideas sound like? Want to see America back on the road to energy independence? Then you, my friend, are in the right place. This is the Eric Bowling Podcast. All right, welcome to the Eric Bowling Podcast. We have a very, very special guest today, um, one of my... I can call you my close friend. I can call you I can call you my friend. Let's put it that way and you know one of the more influential members of Congress, Marjorie Taylor Greene joins us right now, one day after her new book drops. Congr- Congressman, thank you so much for joining us. Congratulations on the book. It's on its way to a New York Times bestseller, I'm sure. Um, but let's, let's jump into it. Let's tell us uh, what, what is your but tell the audience what your book's about, why you wrote it and what, what are you looking for from it? So the f- floor is your, tell us about the book.
1: Well, thank you, Eric. I really appreciate you having me on your show. I wrote my book MTG and people can get a copy at mtgbook.com. And the reason why I wrote it is, is you know this, Eric, ever since I became a member of Congress in January of 2021, The media created a character of me that does not exist. And then they sold that character 24-7 across every major news platform all over America and all over the world. And I have been attacked at unbelievable levels and lied about. So I decided to write a book uh, that tells people who I am in my own words, uh, my beliefs and the policies that I believe that we need to pursue uh, to save America and in writing my book, I told a lot of stories, stories I've never told before, stories that I think people would be uh, pretty intrigued and fascinated with. Some of them are funny. Some of them are sad. Some of them might make you angry. Uh, but I really encourage people to go out and grab a copy at mtgbook.com.
0: Indeed. Indeed. Since you you, you frame it this, this way, um, Congresswoman, I may call you MTG. I always ask you. Um, MTG. So what? Tell us about your life prior to Congress and then what inspired you to get into Congress. But what were you like before you got to Congress?
1: Uh, well, I was very much just a normal average American. I uh, grew up in a family construction business, bought that business uh, with my former husband after college and ran that company for almost 25 years. I've raised three great kids. They're adults now. And I really wasn't political. As a matter of fact, the first GOP meeting I ever went to was, was when I announced I was running for Congress, and that's not the normal path for most people that end up in Washington. Uh, I ran for Congress because I was really mad at Republicans almost as much as I was mad at Democrats. Um, We know who the Democrat Party is. They are the party of communism. They are not the Democrat Party that, that the great Ronald Reagan had to face. And I, I am oftentimes um, angry at Republicans because they never hold the Democrats accountable and they never force the Democrats to play by their own rules. And I truly believe if Republicans did uh, what they claim to do on the campaign trail and on their uh, two to three minute news hits uh, weekly and daily, then we would stop the Democrats' communist agenda and our country would be totally different than it is today. But instead, we are a crumbling nation We're we're under attack uh, from within, from our very own nation's capital that is absolutely destroying our country. So, you know, I call out Republicans in my book, just as I do uh, frequently in Washington.
0: We'll get to there. I want to get there. But I want to know MTG. I want to know Marjorie Taylor Green what you know how you got to be Marjorie Taylor Greene you you went to college you, you grew up in Georgia went to college where did you go to college
1: I went to the University of Georgia okay. uh, graduated in 1996 with a degree in business so, I really so enjoyed my time in Athens it was fantastic and the football wasn't as good back then as it is now, but thank goodness uh, our Bulldogs keep winning here lately.
0: Yeah. So, so you grow up a young lady in Georgia, and then your family's in the construction business. How did you come about buying the construction business?
1: Well, my parents worked hard for a very long time and after college, I, I didn't, I couldn't even imagine working anywhere else. Uh, that's the business that I knew and loved. It was the company that put a roof over my head and fed me my entire life. And and so I went back to my parents, wanted to work in the construction company, and they were ready to retwi- retire just a few years after that. So made a deal with them, and I had to buy the company from my parents. They didn't give it to me. It wasn't handed to me. Um, I actually uh, spent quite a few years paying my parents um, in order to own the company.
0: Were you, uh, were you a you? A good kid in high school and college? Were you a wild child? What were you like?
1: <laughs> I was a good kid most of the time. Um, very normal teenager, uh, you know, always enjoyed hanging out with my friends. Grew up on a lake north of Atlanta, Lake Lanier. Uh, absolutely love water sports. Um, if, if it was over over 70 degrees, uh, you could find me down at the dock or out on the water with my friends. Um ski? Yeah. Water skiing, uh, kneeboarding, uh, you name it, scurfing, sc- uh, all kinds of water sports. Absolutely love it. Um, and spent many years with my own kids on the lake as well. well we
0: get there in a second. So when, you, when do you get married? How do you meet your husband?
1: I actually got married very young at 21 years old. Uh, met my former husband in college and at UGA uh, and had my first, we had our first child when I was 23. So mm-hmm. I launched into motherhood pretty early and, and actually it was great. I, I'm so happy. I had all three of my kids in my twenties. That's when you actually have energy <laughs> to do that kind of thing. And, um, being a mom truly has been the biggest blessing and, and the biggest joy of my life.
0: So you meet your husband, you get married, you have a child at some point along pretty near around that same time you buy your family business. So you're, you're married, new mom new wife, new business owner. When did you start working out? Cause if you follow your Instagram, you're an avid, avid work, worker outer.
1: <laughs> I've always um, loved sports, uh, played sports growing up um, and always just loved exercise and being active. Uh, it just—it's just something that has always been part of my life. Whether it was running, uh, doing five Ks, ten Ks, adventure races, um, doing triathlons or cycling events, uh, got into something called CrossFit with a friend of mine uh, very early on. I think we started that back in 2007, and that was just a type of workout that I I loved. Ended up um, in 2013 opening my own CrossFit gym. It was a a big growing industry back then. And it looked like something that would be a lot of fun. Uh, Grew it to be the largest premier CrossFit gym in the Southeast and sold it in 2017. Uh, So that was a lot of fun. Um, And then after that, uh, you know, we had someone very special in the White House. President Trump uh, became president in, in 2017 in January. So he was somebody I had really paid attention to in that presidential primary in in 2015 and 2016. And uh, he was the first politician that I thought, wow, he talks pretty much like every guy and every man uh, I've ever known. And he made sense. And he actually talked about the policies that most of us really cared about, but Washington had ignored for so many years.
0: So are you saying you ran for Congress because you liked trump and what he was about
1: well i definitely absolutely loved president trump and everything that he stood for and was trying to do in washington but really what got me off the bench eric was when the republican controlled house of representatives did not pass president trump's agenda as a matter of fact they did several things that i found very upsetting they, they didn't repeal Obamacare. That had truly hurt my family in particular and many others that I knew. Took our insurance premium from around $800 a month uh, to well over $2,400 a month, and it just, it just made it impossible. It was more expensive than our own mortgage, uh, so I couldn't believe that Republican failure. And then they did other things. They, you know, the party of life didn't do anything about abortion, and they ended up funding Planned Parenthood for $500 million. And I just, I found that so shocking and outrageous that it was, it was such a, such a disappointment um, across the board that it was like, how could they do this? And then, then the very party that had talked about border security, and it was so important to all of us. Uh, to fund and build the border wall uh, that President Trump had campaigned on. Uh, the Republicans on, in Congress might, never even funded the you wall. You might
0: be an intruder in your house right now, I hope.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's my son. He's home from college. <laughs> I'm teasing, I'm teasing.
0: So you, were you political before you? I mean, so you, you bought a business, sold a business, started another business, uh, a fitness business, sold that. Look, probably looking for something to do, but but when did politics become, you know, because policy, it's clearly you love it. It, it, It's almost in your DNA, but when did you get your first, I want to do this. This is something I want to do politics.
1: Well, I didn't, I didn't really have any idea that I, as a matter of fact, if you had told me 10 years ago that I would be in Congress, I would have laughed at you and told you that's ridiculous. Um, It was something I never wanted to do, but it was when I I just saw so much failure from Republicans um, uh, not pursuing the agenda we cared about and why we elected President Trump. That's what moved me to say, you know what, I think I'm going to run for Congress and and I want to make a difference. I want to be there making sure that these policies happening and holding Republicans accountable. But going back in my life, it was the policies of Washington, D.C., that affected every part of my life. And that's because we're small business owners. Mm -hmm. So if Washington, D.C. was passing policies that were hurting our economy um, and, and making it difficult for us to earn a living, then guess what? We were paying attention. And I grew up in a household where my parents talked about the policies in Washington, you know, coming up in the 70s. We all remember how, how what a catastrophe Jimmy Carter's presidency was. We all remember the long gas lines um, to, to get gas during the Iran-Contra affair. We, we remember all these issues that affected the economy and, and Americans' ability to put food on the table. And so as when you're a business owner and what Washington—the de- the decisions made in Washington affect your ability to feed your own children— You know, you pay attention to that pretty closely. And so I always did pay attention to that. Um, But it's also in my nature uh, as a business owner. I believe that the most important thing we have to do is serve our customer and provide, you know, excellent customer service. And I believe the federal government should be run the same way. The American people should be looked at as the customer and and they should receive excellent customer service and care from the federal government that is paid by the American taxpayer and and serves the American people.
0: So you decided to run for Congress 2018?
1: Yeah, uh, I actually ran in 2020. Uh, made made that decision kind of over twenty nineteen mm-hmm. um, after after kind of becoming politically active, being an activist uh, for Second Amendment rights, especially women's rights to own a gun and how important that is. Um, well, also-
0: know, you're so uh, integral in, in, in the political dialogue in America. It's, it's I can't believe it's only your, your second term. That's that's incredible. So are you married at the time when you run for Congress?
1: Yeah, yes, of course. Yes, um, Mary then um, ran against eight uh, primary opponents, eight men uh, in 2020.
0: Yeah, who had the seat?
1: Uh, is the Former seat of Tom Graves in Georgia's 14th district. He had announced his retirement, so it was an open seat, and there were nine of us total. And one of my opponents had the full support from the establishment in Washington. He had like over 30 Republican members of Congress endorsed him. Steve Scalise had endorsed him and raised money for him. Um, he had, he had the support of the establishment here in Georgia. But I beat him, doubled his numbers uh, because I had the message
0: that voters wanted. Did Trump give you his support in 2020?
1: Not until after I won my primary. And Mm -hmm. I had to go into a runoff here in Georgia. You have to win with over 50%. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I had uh, one come out first place in the primary. Then I won the uh, primary runoff. Mm -hmm. And then it was after that that President Trump endorsed me. Uh, but I have a very strong Republican district, and and winning the general was not going to be a problem.
0: So you become Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, you, you, the media loves you, loves you, and hates you, which is which is good. Which is good. I mean, if they don't, if you're if you're boring, <laughs> then then you don't get much attention. Can you tell us a lot of us? I, I mean, I, you, we're, we've been friends a long time. I, I love just about everything you do. The one thing I couldn't get behind, and maybe you can help me out the Kevin McCarthy support. I'm, I'm a anti-establishment libertarian and I just see McCarthy and and his like and his ilk, just very, very detrimental to the country, almost as bad as liberals for me, but I just didn't see the MTG McCarthy. I just can't help me out with that. What, where did that come from?
1: Yeah, sure. I'm happy to talk about it. I actually talk about him in my book as well. Um, so if you remember, I don't, I don't know if you remember this. I spent the first uh, well over a year of my freshman term attacking Kevin McCarthy. I even called him feckless on Twitter. Um, I attacked him weekly. I attacked him so much that he was constantly calling me and having meetings with me. Um, so I don't, I don't know if you remember that part. But oh, no, I,
0: I apologize. I don't. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: I attacked him constantly. It was ruthless. There were articles written about it all the time. Um, you could probably search those. So I was causing a lot of problems for him. I was causing problems for leadership. I was causing problems for the Democrats. Um, that's just how I came into Congress But remember I also come from a professional background, and when it looked pretty obvious that we were going to win the majority leading up and and during 2022, um, I started asking around, you know, I asked Jim Jordan, are you going to run for speaker? And he said, no, I'm not running. I'll be supporting Kevin McCarthy. I asked Steve Scalise, are you running for speaker? And he said, no, I'm not running. Kevin McCarthy is. I asked multiple people if anybody's running and the only person running for speaker if we won the majority was Kevin McCarthy. And then I was at a um, at a uh, after hours um, uh, sort of cocktail gathering in Texas at someone's house. And I was having a conversation with a group of people and Devin Nunes was there and he was in our conversation And I was telling the story about being kicked off committees when 11 Republicans joined with Democrats to kick me off. And um, I said, I said, Kevin McCarthy kicked me off of my committees. And because that's what I had been told by the Freedom Caucus, I had been told that by people at CPI, and everyone constantly reminded me that it was Kevin McCarthy that kicked me off. And Devin, when I said that, Devin Nunes goes, stop. He said, that is not true at all. And I was like, yes, it is. And he goes, no, he goes, I was there. He goes, I was in the room in the meeting with Stinney Hoyer and Kevin McCarthy and a few others. He said, and Kevin McCarthy was screaming at Steny Hoyer for for them because they were about to kick me off committees. And he was screaming at Stinney Hoyer not to do it. And that he would remember and he would bring it back on them if they did it to me. And that was the first time anyone had ever told me that. And it really took me by surprise. And um, and I was like, well, this is the only person that was in the room and I trust and believe Devin Nunes. And so I started thinking things over and I was like, well, you know, no one else is running for speaker And it turns out that it's that he didn't kick me off committees, but he actually tried to stop it. And he told them that they were going to get paybacks if they did it to me. So I started having meetings with Kevin McCarthy almost once a week and asking him questions about what are you going to do if you become speaker and what are your plans? And, And sometimes we agreed. Oftentimes we didn't agree. Sometimes we argued and I constantly would tell him this is what the base wants. This is what we have to do. And so we, we began a dialogue there. And, you know, coming from the business uh, background, Eric, you have to work with people. And I was suffering so much. I felt like our country is suffering under Nancy Pelosi as speakership. I'm ready for the gavel. And if we get the gavel, I want to impeach Joe Biden. If we get the gavel, I want to subpoena people. And if we get the gavel, there's a lot of things that I believe we need to get done. And so I decided, you know, I'm, I'm going to go in. I'm going to develop a working relationship with Kevin McCarthy and I'll support him. And then everyone saw what happened in January with 15 rounds. No matter how you felt about Kevin McCarthy, it was proven to be true. There wasn't anyone running for speaker other than Kevin McCarthy. And um, so that's why I supported him uh, through supporting him. We got some good things done. And these are things I'm happy about. Because I had a good relation or I have a good working relationship with him, I was able to get the Ukraine money out of the defense bill. And that happened because I urged him and I proved to our whole conference that Americans don't support funding the Ukraine war. Thankfully, he he listened to me and he removed it out of the defense bill. I was also able to launch an impeachment inquiry because Kevin McCarthy was speaker and he launched that without a floor vote on the House. Because it was going to fail. We had Republicans that were going to vote against it. And I don't know if we could pass it today if we voted on it but because we have it, we have serious it, issues with some of the conservatives eight, that don't with, want impeachment. Well, let's,
0: let's talk about it. It was one of the three things I wanted to talk to. I don't want to forget. So I'm, I want to talk to you about Boebert, new, new speaker, and, and this impeachment um, bill, this idea that failed because of eight GOP Congress people, I think three or four of them from, from California. But what do you suppose is behind that? Is, is this a more concerned about their own reelection than than the betterment of, of the country? And I'm talking about not Biden impeachment. I'm talking about Mayorkas impeachment.
1: I'm glad you brought that up. This proves uh, exactly what I was talking about. We you know, we couldn't get an impeachment inquiry because of some of those eight that voted against the impeachment of Mayorkas. So let me break that down for you. That, that exposed a lot of truth that I am glad you're asking because I don't think a lot of people know this. Eight of the Republicans that voted with the Democrats to shelve the articles of impeachment I had for Secretary Mayorkas. Now, my articles of impeachment were already in the Judiciary Committee for six months, and they never picked them up. Not one time. And that's why I brought it to the floor with a privilege resolution after two of my constituents were killed by a 17-year-old cartel member smuggling illegal aliens into the country. Well, four of the eight Republicans that voted with Democrats, four of them serve on the Judiciary Committee. So those four Republicans were not interested in articles of impeachment on Mayorkas. Those four Republicans are also our problem Republicans to impeach Joe Biden. And so when they voted that way, they were publicly outed because it's not about Mayorkas; it's about impeachment. McHenry? and this is where we them? have a serious problem. Is
0: McHenry, one of them, I said, those are the people who voted, uh, you know, against. Well,
1: Daryl Issa, uh, McClintock from California, uh, Ken Buck—he is what? completely against impeachment and says it publicly. But these are the people, and and these are conservatives, they're they're conservatives.
0: The the reason why I bring up McHenry is because, again, my problem with uh, Kevin McCarthy, I just, he feels just completely wrong. He almost should be a liberal in my, anyway, so he he picked uh, McHenry to be the uh, speaker, uh, interim speaker. And we mm-hmm. can be voted against impeaching Majorcus too. There's at one point when they were right. still looking for a speaker, it's like, Do you know how close we came to getting this guy as speaker, a guy who voted against impeaching Majorcus? I'm like I, I'm, look, so I'm not, We're really right, Don't get
1: me wrong. I'm not defending Kevin McCarthy. I'm not defending Patrick McHenry. I have a problem with pretty much most Republicans I work at because I find them spineless. Yeah. But if you want to talk about people's voting records, I, you need there's something you need to understand. I supported Mike Johnson. He's a nice guy. He's a Christian. But if you want to look up his voting record, and I encourage you to. My voting record on conservative review is a 100. Mm -hmm. Kevin McCarthy's voting record on conservative review is a 68. Mike Johnson's uh, voting record on conservative review is a 74. So what you you need to understand that we got a little bit better one, but he also passed a clean continuing resolution, uh, continuing Joe Biden's budget, and he did that right before Thanksgiving. He did. So, People are the
0: getting People are so, the people are so,
1: lies on social media, and they need to know well, the truth. We're also
0: so tired of the fighting. Like I know from our side, mm-hmm. we just want the GOP to get get to get back to doing the business of, of the people's house. Can Lauren Boebert? Can, I, I love you both. Why? Why is there? How do we fix this? Where is, it, is there an olive branch that maybe I can extend to both of you to bury this? Whatever this is, is this is this going to go on forever?
1: Well, I, I really appreciate that. And you don't have to choose one or the other. I, I truly, I don't believe in any of that garbage. Um, I write about this in my book, Eric, and I really hope people will read about it. Um, the issue has not been me. It's always been she has had an issue with me. I donated to Lauren Bobert. I supported Lauren Bobert. I tried very hard to be her friend. People that know us know I tried to be her friend. I even defended her multiple times when she was attacked I support her amendments, I vote on her amendments, I vote on her bills, and we have similar voting records. But you can, you know, I'll just say this. I've been lied to enough times by her and I've been stabbed in the back enough times by her. This is a, this is not a serious woman. She's on the verge of losing a Republican seat in Colorado. They are they are actually saying they're going to vote for that Democrat. The polling is completely in a pro-choice, pro-abortion abortion. Democrats favor. He is likely to win that Republican seat in Colorado. That's because of how she acts How she lies. uh, She lies on about her votes. She says that, oh, you know, I just I I was uh, I voted and then she really missed a vote that was shown on video in Washington. This is a woman that vapes in front of pregnant women in public when the pregnant women are asking her to stop. This is a woman that groped her date in a public movie theater and then lied about all of this. Um, so I, you know, I tried with her, but when she sneaks off to the press and tells things, uh, that she and I said in a private conversation, she's someone I cannot trust. I do not trust. And I will not work with somebody that stabs me in, a ba- in the back and lies about me.
0: All right, let's so, let's end this. I know you're busy. Uh, you have a really, really popular book to, to promote all over the place. And by the way, you'll be on, on my balance show tonight at Newsmax. Um, you think Joe Biden's going to be, let's end it with this, uh, you think Joe Biden's going to be the, the 2024 nominee and the Democrat side?
1: I think it's a good, strong possibility that they may um, put somebody else in. Uh, they certainly can do that as late as their convention uh, next summer. And I think that's something that we should watch and be concerned about. President Trump is going to win the primary. It's ridiculous. These people are still running against him. Um, President Trump is polling so big that he looks like he's going to win the general. Um, But, you know, they may pull Joe Biden out of there. You know, we'll we'll see what happens.
0: Final thought. Tucker Carlson is Trump's VP. Thought.
1: (laughs) I love Tucker. I would love to see him be vice president. I think he's fantastic. I think he's great. And you would never hear any complaints from me about
0: that. me neither. Me neither. Marjorie Taylor Greene. Congratulations on the book. Everyone run out and get it. Get it on Amazon, bookstores, everywhere, I'm sure. And it's on its way to a New York Times bestseller. MTG, thank you for your time. And I'll see you on TV tonight.
1: Okay. Thanks, Eric. I appreciate it.
0: All right.